You are now tuned in from the desk of low. Brought to you by from the Dat Feeling Podcast Network. If you have a dream, go get it. Oh yes, we can hear you definitely. Okay, cool. Welcome back from the desk of low. I have with me the third Canadian producer. Well, he's actually the third Canadian guest to ever appear on the show, aside from Patrick and Daniel's son. Um, without further introduction, I have a very talented producer on the phone. And I'm glad he's from Canada, Toronto to be exact. I have with me on the phone, Bozak Morris. Yo, what up, what up, what up, what up? Well, let's start this off right, sir. Happy New Year. Thank you, man. Appreciate that, man. Happy New Year to you too, man. Um, oh, thank you very much, sir. Um, let's start this off, uh, Bozak Morris. Um, you came across my radar with your work for Flea Lord, too. And then when I did my research on you, I found out you were a producer as well. Um, I'm curious, Bozak Morris. How did you get into producing? Where did the Bozak Morris story start, sir? Uh, it started a while ago, man. Like, to be honest, I've been doing this hip-hop shit for a long time, man. Like, I was always just in love with the culture and in love with the music when I was a kid. And um, in high school, um, like, we, me and a few friends, we, we formed a rap group. I was actually a rapper at the time. And um, I think by around 2000, like, like fresh out of high school... Uh, I bought an ASR-10 and just started dabbling with it. And then, um, you know, time goes on and, like, you know, you kind of, like, move away and you kind of, like, do some things. Like, you know, you, uh, I was doing a lot of promoting, like, doing uh, events, uh, DJing, hosting uh, uh, concerts and, and events. So for a while I was doing that. And then eventually, um, I think I just got really sick of doing all that shit. Like, like all that stuff, just, like, I guess, like, by the time I looked back and by the time I saw where I was going and the direction I was heading, I, I just wasn't satisfied um, with where I was going. So what I did was I picked up the ASR-10 again and um, I just started working with it. But unfortunately, it died on me. So I had to go and buy something else. So I ended up buying um, my MPC-1000. And from that point on, I just I just started, like, you know, chipping away at it and just, just making something happen out of it and just... That from that point on, that's when I really started getting serious with making beats, and that was like 2012, and like here I am now. The rest is history, man. Um, I'm curious too. Do you listen to a lot of your old music that you did early on before 2012 too, or do you not really like to go back and listen to old things? Yeah, I, um, I have before, but not so much anymore. I mean, like definitely when I listen to like some of the old beats that I made on my ASR 10, it definitely doesn't you know live up to the standards that uh that I've had right now. So, I mean, like, you know, I mean, it was cool to sit here from the starting point, but one, I don't have the ASR-10 anymore. So, I mean, like, all those files is, like, I don't have access to. Um, but, like, yeah, it's, it's on top of that, I mean, you know, like, like, it's very, like, the things I'm able to do now with, you know, technology is, like, I wasn't able to do back then, and you can definitely hear the difference. So, um, that's definitely, that's definitely something I know this at least. Now, when you saying that you use MPCs too, I'm I'm just understanding production too. I I don't understand much of it though. But when I introduced on um, producers too, I understand that they want as much shine as the artists too. Because and and in my opinion, they do deserve as much shine as the artists because they're the ones making the beat that you're bobbing to head to head to back and forth too. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Like I think the stick a lot of the times, man. Like 
Like, and unfortunately, like, yo, a lot of people in the public perception, they don't realize the importance of what the producer does. I mean, like, ain't nobody trying to hear an acapella album. Let's keep it real. So it's like, you know, cut the check. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yo, like some of these, some of these rappers, they swear like, yo, exposure, that's like, we can eat off that. Like, nah, man, like, yo, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta give, you know, the proper respect and the proper due that the producer deserves. So, I mean, you know, like, that's something that we gotta change. On 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 a, on a larger scale, you know the the culture of just treating the producer and just understand the value of a producer, man. So you know, hopefully that happens soon. I mean, I'm definitely trying to push that. So hopefully, you know, you know, we can see more of that in the future. Well, I definitely agree with you on that too. And then plus two, like um, when artists say go platinum, you need a beat to go platinum. No acapella went platinum. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, like, you you hear it all the time, man, where it's just like, you know, yo, like, you know, you'll see, like, like the, the rapper get all the shine, and they, 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 they talk about their bands, they talk about how much racks they just made, and, and it's like, yo, and, like, they, they really made it off the backs of a lot of the producers, man. Like, the producers are the guys that are actually putting the work, and the reason why the people, you, you made all that money, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, more often than not, like, you know, you know the stories, man, like where the producer only gets like a couple hundred dollars or or whatever the case is. And, and it's unfortunate, man. Like, you know, let's let's empower each other, man. Like the only way we can move forward and, and, and have longevity in the game is if everybody eats. So, I mean, like I live by that. So I'm I'm going to make sure that everybody is getting the, the rightful, you know, ownership and the rightful of what they deserve. So, you know, that's how I feel. Now, from someone who is very well versed in hip hop too, I'm curious too if you listen to like a lot of Madlib. Of course, absolutely, man. Madlib's one of the greatest, man. Madlib is definitely up there, top ten in my personal opinion, man. Like, and close to the top five, personally, man. Like, Madlib definitely changed the game, and yo, know, when when Jayla came out, when Quasimodo's first album came out, Mad Villain. You know, the loop pack stuff, sound pieces, like, yo, Madlib was that dude, and Madlib still is that dude, man. Like, yo, I, like, you know, like, the new Freddie Grimms is, 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 I know it's gonna be crazy. So, uh, like, yo, Madlib is crazy, man. So, I still, I still inspired by that dude. Um, because I'm curious, too, you're well tapped into the underground, too, and I noticed that a lot of people are flocking towards the underground now because of Conway and Westside Gun, but I've been tapped Absolutely. into the underground since, um, I don't know, you're well aware of Combat Jack. Right, right. He used to put me onto all these underground artists, even way before Westside and Conway signed to Shady, I believe, um, when Flygirl was coming out, too. I'm curious, right. when did you fall in love with the underground hip-hop scene? Uh, I was like, yo, it's just the 90s, man. So I remember, like, being in the 90s and just hearing all this really raw hip-hop, especially when, around the time when things started moving in the more commercial lane. Um, like, you know, you start you start to see, like, like when he was, was putting out, you know, more commercial music and, like, you know, hip-hop was becoming a lot more, uh, I guess, like, you know, more, more shiny. Uh, like, you know, the underground became empowered because of that, because... You know, who wanted to see more of that, and I got, I wanted to see more of the raw stuff, the stuff that I, uh, you know, I was that gra- that I got into hip hop for in the first place. So, you know, I remember like you know around like the Fondalum and Rockets days, you know, when um, they were on top. That's when I pretty much started really just like really focusing on what was going on in the underground, and um, 
it's funny, just like, you know, 2019 and 2018, like how it's come full, full circle with that. Um, and uh, I'm seeing the same energy, and, and I think it's really exciting. Um, I'm curious, too, because you said the 90s, too. I can't imagine music being so accessible in the 90s, because I was born in 91. Right. Um, I'm curious, too. Did um, did you ever come across, like, a DJ Clue cassette mixtape? Absolutely, man. They were, they, were, they, were, they were hot in the streets, man. So, like, Clue uh, had the streets on lock, man. He had all the exclusive, man. Like, yeah, man. Like, yo, when you had those Clue mixtapes, man, like, you were... You were getting it, man. Like you, you were, you were, you were, you were ahead of the curve. I heard Clue almost got into some trouble over some of those songs over there because he jacked them. <laughs> I mean, like I hear stories about that shit. Like all the DJs, you know how they got like that tapes from. Like they would sneak into offices, and they would, you know, they would get the DAT tapes from the offices, and that he, you know, mixed. That was. That was it, it. It was it was kind of funny, man. Like yo, yo, dudes really did some crazy shit. It was kind of crazy. Now uh, I'm curious too. Um, when I went back and did my research on you too. Um, would you say that Loose Cannons is your debut, or did you put out mixtapes yeah. here and there before that that you just never really I, pushed? I did. I did as a DJ. I mean, I, I did. I did a few mixtapes uh, in the 2000s. I did like you know some 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 R and B and some 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 like. Uh, you know, seventy soul and you oh, know, okay. you know, before but I mean that wasn't me as a producer, that was me as a DJ and that yeah. was before I was producing. So I mean they're out there. I mean like, you know, uh, if, if you have a copy of that you you you've got the origins of you know, Bozat Morris um can't that kinda basically just that was the launch pad. That was the launch pad for for, for at Morris. So, um, I definitely consider that my debut album. So, yeah, because some of your singles on there never change. Well, my favorite's Mac ninety. Oh my god, I played. I, I got that in rotation. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, man, that was actually the first joint I ever released, man. Like, I had no idea that you know this would all come from that. Like, I, I you know, I hollered at I hollered at Conway. We made the record, and it was just like, all right, you know, let's. I'm going to just put this out and see what happens. And then, you know, the rest is history, man. Now, I'm curious, too, the first time you ever came across the West Side Gun or Conway. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing I heard from him was I saw the ghost. So, shouts out to Big Ghost. Oh, he had a wow. project on Conway. And um, around the same time, uh, I think that's when I also heard uh, Hitler 3. And I'm like, yo, these guys are doing some dope shit. Like, you know, these guys, these guys, they got, they got a dope sound. Like something that's kind of like, like, like it's, it's, it's raw. It's that raw shit that we came up on and it's lyrical and it's just really dope. But it also, it's very, it's, it's street shit. So it's like, it's not, it's not like, you know, it's, it has the backstory behind it that, that that is unique to it. So usually when you hear like all the hood shit and the street shit, you talk about street hip hop, it's not, it's not, it doesn't have the, 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 the rawness or the like, you know, the, the, you know, the, like the type of production that uh, I, I want to hear. So I, when I heard these guys, I was like, yo, that's a dope man. Like, yo, this is, there's nothing else out there that sounds like this. So I reached out to them. They showed love and then it's like, you know what? 
you know, you know, pass them some beats and like, yo, the, you know, we made, we made Night 90, we made Never Change. And, uh, yeah, man, that's how that worked out, man. And, and, you know, to like, you know, we had no idea that any of this was going to blow up, but like, you know, like 2019, we look back and it's like, yo, that wave, that really, like, we had no idea. It just, at least I, I, you know, I'll speak for myself. I had no idea, but you know what I mean? Like. It just happened that way, and you know, and I guess you know we can say that we, like I was fortunate to to be part of that. Now I'm curious too. Do you, um when it's, would you say that it's all about certain situations that you put yourself in when you look back on those type of things? Yeah, I'd say so, man. I mean, like the idea is just like just 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 follow with what you believe in. Um, find some music that you believe in, find artists that you believe in, and when you find that artist that you believe in, man, just follow through with it. I mean, it might blow up, it might, it might, it might not. It doesn't matter, man. At the end of the day, as long as, like, you got that checklist, you know, where it's like, you know, you made some amazing music, you know, it'll, it'll come off, you know, and you'll get to where you need to be. That's what I believe, at least, you know? So, um, and I think that's what happened with Westside Gun and Conway. It's like, they stayed true to what they were doing. They created their sound. They knew what their sound was. They always had the backstory. They always had the things to rap about. So it's like, you know, they just stuck to it. And since then, it's like, yo, they created an entire lane. Like, this entire, this entire new underground wave is, you know, is very directly responsible from, you know, like, Griselda's directly responsible for that, so. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and Rock like, Marcy. And Rock Marcy, absolutely, man. So, like, you know, they, like, all those guys, um, they were directly responsible for what's going on right now. So, seeing, like, all the band camp wave, so, like, all the, like, not even just hip-hop, but just the way hip-hop is being sold, like, on Bandcamp with vinyl and, and limited edition vinyl and, like, you know, how it's directly artist to consumer. This is this is things that, that pretty much Griselda was, you know, the guys that, that kind of, like, you know, put that in the forefront, man. So, um... Like it, like that's that's something that's a that's a real big thing, man. That's a really important thing to acknowledge too, man. So it's like right now, you know, we have a brand new lane, and that's really due to what Griselda's done, man. So shout out to them. Uh, shout out to Griselda too. Um, I'm curious, Bozak. Um, do you share a lot of your accomplishments with your parents? Not really, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think I do actually, man. I mean, like, I don't think they really know what I've. What 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 I've done? I mean, like I do, uh, but I don't think they understand the, the scale of it. You yeah. Know? Um, like like I'm not saying that I've done it. Like I haven't. I'm not at the Grammys and shit. But I mean, like I don't think they understand. You know the poss- You know what 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 I've actually done. You know, uh, like I've seen. You know, like like I've I've sold out of my records, and they seen that that you know I'm I'm out here like pushing records and shit. But I don't think they understand that like you know, what what that truly means, you know? So, yeah, I don't think they really understand it. And I haven't really spoken to them about it, but, like, you know, I, I'm just doing my thing. I'm not, I'm not really, I'm, I, I'm not really concerned with it. I'm, at least, I'm, I'm pretty I, I think sure. I should be, but, but maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure if they were to Google Westside Gun and Conway and to see, like, who they worked with, they're like, wow, our son worked with them? Yeah, I mean, like, 
Yeah, but my parents are old. So I mean, like my parents are old school. So maybe they don't, they don't, they don't just grasp uh, the idea of, you know, current, the current, the current hip hop, you know, landscape or the current music landscape. They don't mind not understand what what success is, you know, because you know what I mean, like you know, they're 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 Jamaicans. So I mean, like, and they probably see things differently and probably don't really understand like how 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 much how much know you can accomplish you know by by doing this shit like the way we do it so you know so you know maybe it's not for them yeah um well I'm, I'm curious too because um some of the title songs on your loose cannons project too really made me want to ask you too like atari teenage riots like that's what hell of a name to name a title song uh, Atari Teenage Riot, uh, Atari Teenage Riot was like a like an industrial like alternative group from like uh, the nineties, um, and I remember just listening to it. It's like it's like it's like kind of like noise music, and it's very like distorted, and it's it's electronic, and it's very very fast, and it's, it's like it's like riot music. It's like very rebellious, and and when 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 I was naming that record, it's it's, it's instrumental joint it kind of reminded me of some video game shit but it also had that you know it, it, like it, it, it takes you on a journey kind of like that and that's why I was naming it after Tyree Teenage Riot which is um might you know might be a little bit like you know slept on right now but back in the 90s man they were making some noise and uh like literally making some noise so I mean you know I kind of wanted to take it there especially because it's like part of my upbringing too so yeah, shout out to Atari Teenage Riot, man. Oh, well, I was gonna. Well, I'll give you credit for you to put me on them because I'm gonna go check them out after. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, I'm curious too. You done like a lot of artwork too. Um, can you give a little bit of a backstory on what you did with Flea Lord too? Because from the artwork that I seen, like the test printing, wow, that's some crazy artwork. Thank you, man. Um, so I, I do so. I run this record label called GGBR Records, and um, like we, we we put out like limited, very small, limited edition pressings of the releases that we do. Um, and uh, instead of just putting in a plain jacket, I do graphic design. I like I went to school for graphic design, so it's like I use some of my talents, like you know, I guess the things that I see that I actually develop. And I was like, let me do an alternative. Out the sleeves. I wanted to like you know you know make it a little bit special. You know, to have one of these, you know, the character. And I want, I want I want this to be like you know when you grab this and you get this, it's like wow, this is beautiful. This is something that I can you know that I want to hold on to and I want to take care of and I want to like you know I want I want I want I want to. I want to put value, extra value on it, especially like if they, they pay an extra for it. So I go out, you know, and I design it. I get it silk screen, so and by hand. So like all the all that shit is done by hand, you know. And uh, you know, they that's what happens. So so this is this is just add extra value to it, and um, I, and I, I guess it allows me to flex some of my graphic design skills too. That's game changing right there too. I think you're the first person too that I've seen do that. And if and if you're not, well, I'll give you credit for that. I'm not too sure if anyone anyone else has done it, but like you know, I just figured like you know, you know, like I think it was I think it was important, man, just to have some something for the for the real ones that that really want to support shit and like you know, they they really value it. 
I want to give them something special. So, um, I mean, I see some people do it after me. Um, I'm not mad at that. You know, uh, they like, you know, they they got their own way to way to do it. Um, um, so yeah, uh, people just jack the whole shit, like do what I do. You know, that should happen. So. Um, being from Toronto too, I'm curious too, because you're working with a lot of underground American artists too. Um, I'm curious, have you tapped into the underground scene and like, would you be willing to collab with other producers? Like, let's say a super group of producers. Absolutely, man. I mean, like, I'm a big person that as well, man. So, uh, we, we know we were discussing, you know, possibly, uh, um, project between both of us and I think it'd be kind of cool I mean like I'm really excited about it you know uh, man I mean like yo Toronto has a lot of dope producers man like I mean like not even just the underground but uh, in general man I kind of find that Toronto has a has has been kind of killing shit for the past I'd say 10 years or so man not saying that they weren't killing shit before because some of my favorite producers and my favorite producers have been killing this shit from, from before but I think like you know I think we've reached a certain uh, plateau that's never been reached before, and it's, it's. I'm definitely down to like you know collab with what what uh, Toronto has to offer. So definitely. Yeah, Toronto definitely has some talented producers too, like Future Wave. My God, Future Wave got some crazy beats on that Rome Streets album. Oh yeah, man, he's he's killing it, man. He's working hard too, like he's plugging away, man. Like he's got his shit. Yo, pressure cookers is a, a, a beast, man. Like you know, wave uh, guard. Like, spoons. Oh my god, that joint is crazy. Yeah, yeah, man. Future Wave is definitely doing his thing, man. So yo, shouts out to Future Wave. Future Wave is a big dude. Like like he he you know he helped me you know on the come up because it's like you know when I was when I was learning how to mix and I was learning all that stuff I was turning to him. In fact, like you know, I think pretty much every record I've ever done has his name on it. But you know because he's either mixed it or mastered it or both so i mean like you know sounds like the future wave man he's definitely an important uh factor in my come up so uh yeah definitely i like how you said uh mixing too um would you say he taught you how to mix um he definitely i would say that i would definitely say that i don't think he'd admit that but i would say that man because it's like just watching him just work and just watching him do his thing and i ask him questions and i'm like okay cool you know and even just like kind of training your ear to how it makes it sound and like where things should go um that all pretty much came from future wave man so it's like right now like i'm doing a lot of the mixing for for my own stuff i'd still go to him to like you know at least you know, kind of tweak it, you know, just to get it, you know, right. Now, I'd get it there to, like, maybe, like, 80%, and then, like, you know, the last 20%, like, he would be the guy that I would turn to for that. So, yeah, you know, without without him, that that first 80%, I wouldn't know what to do with that shit. So, shouts out to Future Wave, man, because, yeah, man, I think that, yeah, you would definitely, you could definitely say that he, he definitely taught me how to mix. Um, I'm curious too. Um, Jace uh, Science, did I say his name right? I'm sorry if I can't. I'm sorry, Jay, if Jay Science, if I reach out to you in Jay, future. Jay Cyanide, yo. <laughs> Jay Cyanide too. I seen that you and Jay Cyanide had the number one song for Insomniac Magazine of Capriche. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of cool, man. Like I had never hit number one before, so I mean, like seeing that at number one was a was a real good look, man. So 
Yeah, Jay Sinai doing his thing. We got our project coming soon called Popular Mechanics. Um, and that should be out uh, very soon, too. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, I'm curious, too. Um, can you possibly put the people on and to me onto Jay Sinai? Because I only heard that one song by you guys, but I definitely liked what I heard. Yeah, uh, Jay Sinai doing his thing. Man. He's from D.C. Uh, he got an album out called um, Actual Heat. Um, like, you know, he's doing stuff with, like, Kev Brown and, like, you know, like, with all them dudes. And, you know, he reached out to me. I mean, like, uh, by way of uh, uh, Dave from Official Crate Music, man, we kind of, like, introduced us to, and, um, you know, he hit me up. You know, he was liking what I was doing. I was liking what he was doing. And we just, you know, we just, we kind of hit it off, man. Like, you know, uh, he actually recorded Capiche on a different beat, a beat that I was taking already. And um, I basically, so what you're hearing right now is actually the remix. So it's me actually oh. remixing it and adding a, a, a brand new beat for it. And that's what came about, man. And like, he did his thing. Um, he came, he, uh, did he, he, did, I think he came here and recorded it. No, he didn't. He actually recorded it in D.C. Um, I think he recorded it at Kev Brown's house, actually. Kev Brown's studio. I could be wrong, but I think that's the case. So, uh, a little trivia, because I mean, like, you know, I don't think anyone knows about that. I think everybody here about the rest of history right there, man. So, and then we got a, we got a, we got a full EP coming out very soon, man. So, I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm curious, too. When, when you're producing, too, do you sit on a beat and like do you ride around with it and be like I can tweak it like this or I can tweak it like that or you kind of leave it the way it is when it's finished um I said I mean like I'm not one of those dudes that that like make 10 beats a day and just like kind of leave them just like there like I'm not a dude that just loops up some shit put some drums on it and calls it like you know onto the next one I, like, I actually sit there and try to see how much I can do with it before I move on so, um, I'll take a beat, like, I'll try and, like, you know, come up with a hook for it or come up with, like, you know, different sequences for it. Um, like, I'll go back to, like, the sample. I'll try to add things. I'll try to add some instrumentation to it. And, you know, and then I'll track it out. Like, I'll, I'll dump it into Pro Tools and, like, I'll mix it and just, like, add some more, like, things to it. So, I'm definitely, I definitely don't just leave it there. Like, I, I try to do as much as I can with it, you know, um. That'll, that'll take me, like, sometimes that'll take me a day. Sometimes that'll take me a couple days. And, you know, sometimes I'll even sit on it for, like, a week. Like, I'll be there, like, I'll just listen to it. And I'll just, like, ah, I'm just going to sit here for a minute. And, you know, come back to it when I feel like coming back to it. And, you know, see what I can do with it later. Because yeah, you don't want to force greatness. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the, the idea is just, like, you know, you might feel a certain way one day. And then you might have a different kind of inspiration the next day. And uh, you never know what comes out about it so I'm, not, I'm one of those type of dudes so that's why I don't have like these 40 beat batches that I'm sending everybody um, sometimes I don't even have anything because I'm holding things off for certain projects and stuff like that because I don't I don't make beats like like I'm not I'm not I'm not a machine where it's like I'm making you know 10 beats a day and like you know I, I'm I'm doing this I'm very meticulous and I want to make the best thing as possible I'm just one of those dudes would you call yourself a perfectionist when it comes to beat making? Yeah, but there's no real such thing as perfection, though. Unfortunately, like, you no, know, like, you can, you can always add to it. You know, there's there's always going to be a point where it's just like, you know what? I think this is good. You know, I mean, you kind of have to like rely on that because you can always like a beat is never really done. Like, if you can, I can, I can make a beat and I can just stay on it forever and just like 
work on it and just keep adding things, adding things, adding things or taking away things, taking away things or like tweaking things. And it's like, you kind of like, you know, like you just have to like, you know, know when to like, okay, you know, this is, this is, this is cool. Let's, let's move on, you know? So, um, I did say like, I, I try to make things as, per- as perfect as possible, but at the same time, you know, like, I also understand that, you know, you can't, you got to let go sometimes. Yeah, because you don't want to hold on to something for too long. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you, you want to make more beats. Like, you know, like, after a while, you just, like, it becomes really boring just working on the same beat. Like, you know, it's like, all right, let's get it. Like, you know, I've already done this already. Like, you know, I want to see what else I can make, you know? Um, I'm curious, too. Do you have a lot of portable DJ equipment, like, that you can take, like, you know, like, just around for when you're flying or something like that? It would lead on uh, to like, the like, question like, I'm going to ask. Like, like portable turntables? Yes. Or, like, a portable yeah. beat maker? Um, I've got an NPC Live, so that's portable. I can bring it around. Um, I started using that, so I bought it at the end of last year, and for three months I was using it, and I went back to the NPC 1000. There's a lot of cool things about the Live. Uh, one, yeah, yes, I was making beats on the airplane uh, on the way to uh, A3C using the MPC Live, but um, I'm not in love with the sound. I mean, like the MPC 1000, it creates a sound that that is it's my it's my sound. It plays a big role into what my beats sound like. And trying to make things a little bit more dirty and a little bit more rugged um, on the live, I found it really. It took a lot of time for me to do that, and it never actually reached the, what it, the sound I wanted. So I was actually really disappointed uh, with with what I was making with the 1000. Now, there's a lot of things that are easy with the 1000, like you know, chopping beats and just like doing all that, doing all the programming and like you know, all that stuff is very easy because it's it's just really intuitive like that. But you know, just actually making it dirty and like you know, all of that stuff. No, I can't. I had to go back to the 1000 and do it right. Um, I'm curious, too. Where is, like, you say the most oddest place that you made a beat and that you ended up using it? Um, good question, man. I don't think, I don't think I've made anything outside of the studio. Like, even if, like, you know, this, the, the beat that I made on the airplane, uh, I ended up bringing it back to the studio and just re- reworking it. So, I mean, like, you know, I wouldn't say that 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 I made it at in weird places. Other than that, you know, and and you know, my my one thousand doesn't leave my 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 studio that often. So you know, I don't think that I've I've made anything outside of the something of the studio and and, and used it. Um. So yeah, so yeah, I don't think I don't think I've actually made anything and used it yet. Even that beat that I've made on the airplane. Uh, I didn't actually use it yet, so, you know, I didn't actually bounce that out and use it, so, you know, we'll see what happens with that one, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I noticed, like, each artist, uh, sorry, each producer, too, they get inspired differently, too. Like, some producers have to go sit at your local coffee shop and just sit with it, or some, like what you said, just be in the studio. Yeah, I'm, I'm really comfortable here. Like, you know, I have all my equipment, I have all my sounds, I have, um, I have, like, I have a Moog, I have Fatty here. I have, like, you know, all my scents here. I got all my records here. Like, you know, everything is here at the studio. So I can just, I, I know, if I know what what to go to, I'll just go to it, you know. If I'm somewhere else, it might, I might have to, like, substitute that, and I might not be as comfortable with that. So, 
Um, I think, like, you know, when it comes to making beats, I'm probably, like, the most comfortable doing it right at my studio. Yeah, and boy, plus, too, like you said, every since day, you won't have to go home for a certain vinyl. Exactly. Exactly, right? So, um, um yeah. This That's is, it right there, man. So This is actually yeah. a question um that I wanted to I asked all my producers this that cl- that do vinyls. Um right. so I've been looking for this forever too and, and if you have this too, um wow, you best hold on to that. Um Internal Affairs. Uh by Farrell Marsh? Yes, sir. Um, I don't have it on vinyl, unfortunately, man. Um I do have it, but I don't have it on vinyl. Um, Even if you got on CD, that's still rare as hell. That's a raucous release. Yeah, man. So, I mean, like, I was there for it, though, man. Like, around that time, and most def, I have most def black on both sides on vinyl. Um, I didn't pick up the internal affairs on vinyl. I do have the 12-inch, I do believe, for um, uh, uh, Get the Fuck Up. Oh, wow. Oh, Simon get- Says. Simon Says, yes, right. Yeah, I do have the 12-inch for that. Um, but I don't have the album on vinyl. Yeah, you know, I kind of, I guess I, like, I didn't cop it on vinyl for whatever reason, but, um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good album to have, definitely, man, shouts out to Rockets, man, because, you know, they were putting out classics. Yes, sir, um, I'm curious, too, the first time you ever heard of Pharaoh March, too, because I found him in the weirdest way through that Simon Says song. Oh, right, yeah, yo, yo, by that time, like, he's already, like, been in the game killing it, man, like, yo, when he was part of Organized Confusion, I remember I was, like... Like 1990 or so, like that. Like, yo, I was 10 or something like that. Like, I was. I, I know I'm aging myself right now, but um, like, like I think that's when I heard Fudge Fudge, and yo, she was dope, man. And like, yo, I always thought that he was he was nice with it. And then like, you know, obviously when Stress came out, and um, I think I got really into Organized Confusion when Equinox came out. That's when I was really like, yo, this dude is. This dude is like the greatest rapper of all time. Because he was just rapping all types of shit. Like, he was just rapping about, like, on that album, he write the, like, he, 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 he rapped about being, um, like a white supremacist and shit. And, like, you know, he was, he was like, he, like, like, he was, like, he, he rapped as a, as a bullet, like, from the perspective of a bullet, on yeah. a straight bullet. Like, he rapped as, like, um, as a, uh, a fetus being aborted and shit, like, you know, like, 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 it's, it's like, yo, like, he's, he's, he's next, let's even just, like, listening to shit is just, like, mind-blowing right now. So, yo, Farrell's that dude, man, like, yo, like, he's, he's one of the, to me, I, and unfortunately, I don't think he gets the props that he deserves, you know? Like, I think, like, he's, he goes over too many people's heads, and I think that's unfortunate, but, yo, that dude is, that dude's a monster, man. And, like, when I put people onto Pharaoh Marge, too, they're like, wow, he's on some conscious. They were just like, but that's how hip-hop should be, because he's a full lyricist at heart. Yeah, for sure, man. I think he's the definition of lyricism, man. Like, you know, when when you see, like, yo, what, what like, his, his process is like, yo, who, it's pretty insane, man. Like, yo, like, he's, the way he paints pictures with words, man, is crazy, man, so... Yeah, man. Like, I don't think there's anybody that can really compare to that dude, man. Like, you know, I, I wish, like I said, I want one of these rappers to like, like mainstream rappers just to say something about the underground. So one of these guys like him can just tear him apart. <laughs> yeah, I know. That'd be kind of cool, man. Um, 
I just don't know if there's anything to gain from that, though. Like, you know, you know what these dudes do. I think everything's strategic. Where it's like, you know, if a mainstream rapper came at an underground rapper, there was no real reason for him to come at him. Nothing to really gain from, from that. So, if anything, like, you know, like, it, you know, the underground rapper gains everything from that, you know, because he gets the exposure, right? Yeah. So, I don't think the, the, the mainstream rapper wants to give him that. So, then, you know, the case that of that happening is probably unlikely. Oh, I'm just a big fan of beef records, should I say. <laughs> <laughs> we all are, man. Um, I'm curious, too, because this is a question I um, I want to ask all my guests, too. I keep forgetting this, too. Um, your favorite disc record, Mine's the Game, 300 Bowers and Running. Word, word. Favorite disc record. Um, uh, big Mama by Shante. Oh, wow. I never would have expected that. Yeah, uh, Big Mama by Shante is pretty hard. Um, I mean, and she calls out mad people. Like, she just straight disses everybody on that record. Um, every female rapper on that record. So that's probably one of them. Um, uh, obviously, Takeover. Takeover is, uh, is, like, I don't think, like, you can't really fuck with what Jay was saying on that record. Like, like he was saying things that were just, like, we were, it was on the tip of everybody's tongue at that time, and, like, so, like, you really can't fuck with that, um, and I'd probably say second round knockout, cannabis is up there, too, because when I heard that shit, I was just like, yo, like, 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 you can't come back from that one, man, like, yo, cannabis killed that one there, so, I put those three up there, those are probably, like, three, um, major ones that I can say off the top of my head right now that are my favorite disc records. Damn, I never would have expected the first one, but those other two, wow, okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, I really like, I really like Curtis by, by, by Cameron, too. That's oh, yeah. I remember that, Curtis! <laughs> yeah, that's a fire record right there, man, like... Facts! Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, it's funny because, I mean, like, yo, 50 did a good camera on this record, too, and I thought that was really solid, but, yo, Curtis put his personality into that one, man, so... Yeah. Uh, or came up with his personality in Curtis and it's like you know what That's, this is pretty fucking good dude because it's like you had everybody just saying Curtis <laughs> and I was fire man I was that's that's what it was man so shouts out to Cameron on that one um, I'm curious too. Um, since we're going back to that era too the first time you ever heard of a Max B um yeah probably from the mixtapes um I didn't really like like pay attention to him until like I I've heard his shit and I thought it was cool, but I didn't really like take in a lot of his shit until after um he went to jail. You know? And I just saw the things that he was doing and the thing the type of shit that the type of music that he was making and how influential he was until after, to be honest. Um yeah, like yo, yo, Max B. Yeah, he's definitely making a lot of like made made a lot of impressions and like you know paved the way for a lot of the rappers, even the underground rappers that's coming out now. Like you know, a lot of the, a lot of the street dudes and a lot of underground dudes really use him as a reference point of of making music now. So shout out to Max B. Yeah, shout out to Max B. Um, I'm curious too because Pete Rock's obviously influenced by you. He actually worked with. Uh, Pete Rock, he's actually on one of his albums too, and that's what made. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people don't know about that record. It's on uh, New York's finest, right? Yes, sir. 
That's right. So yeah, that's right. You know, like and, and Jim Jones is on that album too. And like, yo, I really like when street dudes like hook up with like those 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 type of producers and start rapping on those type of beats. Yeah, because I think that's just unfuckwittable. Like you know, I want to hear Bobby Schmurd on on one of my my beats. I'm a I'm a keep it real. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'd be fire. Yeah, huh. if I can hear Bobby Schmurder or like you know like. Yo, any one of these street guys on a Derringer beat, like outside of Griselda, like you know, like yo, I think that shit would be incredible. You know, like I want to hear, like I want to, I, I like working with dudes like that, and I like creating things that that you know people don't really expect from people. Like you know, um, I listen to a lot of that stuff too, so you know, it's good to hear all that shit. So, um, I'm curious too. Uh, what would me and Nardward like? Oh, he's cool as fuck, dude. Like, yo, we met him, like, last week. Uh, we ran into him at, at, at Neptune Records. Um, and, uh, like, we just, you know, we just came up to him. It was like, oh, shit, it's Nardwar. Yo, what up, man? Yo, I'm a fan. Yo, we've been a fan since the Much West days and Much Music. You know what I mean? And I was holding a bag from the record store, the Neptune Record Store in, in Vancouver. And he's like, yeah, Neptune Records. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, I just cop some stuff there. And then we just started talking about Toronto hip hop. And we went back into Neptune Records and we ended up just chilling there, just talking about Toronto hip hop, um, hip hop in general. We started talking about some of the interviews that he's done. We, we, it was like a good, like, hour long conversation with, with Nardwar. And he was just really cool. And we, yeah, that was, that was probably like the highlight, one of the highlights of the trip, man. So, yeah, that was kind of crazy. Now, with um, having, like, an hour-long conversation with somebody like that, too, is he still the same as he is, in per like, as um, he is, like, when he's on doing interviews? Because he interviewed people like Absolutely. James Brown. He's the exact dude. Like, yo, like, that is him. Like, yo, like, what you see is what you get when, 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 you, when you see his interviews, man. Like, uh, yo, it's, it's exactly the same, dude. Like, I'm not even surprised <laughs> me to see how, how much, how much, that, that's not a character. That's actually who he is, and that's that's also pretty dope too. That like you know that he can bring that because there's nobody like Nardwar, at least that I've met. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, some of the stuff that he knows about the artist too. Because like, how the hell did you know that? Yeah, man. That's, that's he definitely does his research, man. So I mean, like that's that's one one of the things that makes his interview so great man so i have to admit you kind of remind me of nardwar too man like you know with the with the with the research that you've been doing and the type of questions that you ask too so it's kind of dope that's not the first time somebody said that to me but i appreciate that oh, word. and then what's kind of cool too is that like you know you kind of got this lane that that you know you focus in in on that I don't, i'm not too sure if nardwar um is is focused on and that kind of works your benefit too so i thought that's kind of cool um well to be honest too I, i'm it hasn't even been a full year yet too so i'm still learning as i go ah true 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 i like what you've been doing man so shout out Oh, I appreciate that, my guy. Like I said, I like what you've been doing too. Um, well, and this is um leading on to this question too. How you came across my radar? Um, he's actually good people. I, I consider that family. Right there, uh, God bless beats. Right, right. Um. Uh, yeah. So I I, I met him. Actually, we, we met him through Instagram. So, uh, we met each other through Instagram. So, so I think. So I was putting out the Flea Lord record, and that the Lord Talk Volume Two. Uh, is entirely produced by God Bless Beats. 
So um, I hit him up. I was like, yo, salute, man. Like, yo, the project is crazy, man. And then he said, like, yo, he's fucking with my shit, too. And we had some conversations on, on, on DMs about just, you know, just beats and just, like, you know, just, you know, regular rap shit. And, and uh, you know, yeah, I guess we just we just, we just just hit it off, man. That guy's a good dude, man. So salute to the God Bless Beats. And definitely, too. Would you ever consider um, doing, like, a joint, like, working with a certain art, artist, too? Like, um... I just want to say somebody random too. Let's say, let's say like an Adonis. Like if you and him yeah. produce Adonis's record, I would definitely be down with that. Yo, Adonis is dope, man. I like I like the shit that he's doing with V Don. V Don's a beast too. So I mean, like, I definitely, I definitely would work with an Adonis for sure, man. Like yo, I mean, like yo, as long as as long as as long as someone's dope and I can fuck with them and I was, you know, I can, I can, I can, I can listen to their music. You know, they're not like, you know, really bad. I, I can I can pretty much I'm down to work with pretty much anybody, man. So, you know, the 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 I guess like, you know, the entry fee is not that crazy, you know. Unless you know, I mean like, you know if you if you if you're not dope then yeah, you know, but if you pass the dope prerequisite, I'm pretty much down to work with whoever. Okay. Well, at least you know that you'd be willing to like try your hand at working with other people too, because that's what the beauty of Instagram can do. Absolutely, man. With the internet, definitely, man. Everybody can reach out to everybody. Um, I'm I'm curious too, uh, Bozak Morris too. Do you keep um a limited like all your press reel, like everything that you ever done? Do you keep a copy just for yourself, just as something you can look back on, maybe show your kids in the future or something like that? I try as much as possible, and so far, so good, yes. I, that's a big thing that I really aim for. Like, I keep hearing about dudes just like, you know, like, Lord Finesse doesn't even have a copy of this particular record, and I'm not, you know, that kind of saddens me, man, <laughs> like, when I hear shit like that. So it's like, I definitely try to, to have a copy of everything I've ever done before. So, yeah, so at least at least a single copy, but preferably, like, multiple copies. When it comes to the label, I definitely keep a batch for myself. Okay, yeah, that's definitely good to know. Um, speaking of Lord Finesse, you actually met him. Yeah, man, yo, yo, he does, he's a, he, like, yo, shout out to my peoples from Cratery. Um, they bring him up, and uh, he gets involved with the live convention, uh, which is, like, um, kind of like a beat-digging, um, kind of like, uh, uh, like, festival. I don't know if you would call it a festival, but like there's, a, there's several events that goes on an entire weekend uh, uh, in Toronto that, that that centers around like I guess hip hop and beat digging, and uh, Lord Finesse always comes up for that, and uh, he's you know he DJs for it, and he's always doing his thing for that. It's always it's a really good event, man. So if you're into like beat digging, if you're a producer, if you're into hip hop, you just you know you're into that dope shit, like you're into vinyl. Definitely come through to Toronto around that because I mean, like, there's there's a whole bunch of events that go on, and like, Lord Finesse has been there, Jake One has been there, like, you know, just so many like legends have been there just doing their thing, man. So, um, you know, Mr. Supreme from from Seattle, um, like, you know, it, the list goes on, man. So definitely check it out. And when I met Lord Finesse, that was that was an honor because it's like. I'm trying to carry the torch, like, you know, like, you already know what it is, like, you know, the shit that the foundation that those guys put on, put down, and the, the things that how they created beats is the same way I create beats, and I'm trying to, like, you know, trying to stick to that script, so, you know, it was an honor to meet Lord Finesse, and any of those guys, man, I met, I met Diamond too, 
I met all those dudes. So, um, you know, it's salute to all the OGs, man. We're standing on, on the shoulders of giants. You know, what we're doing right now, man, like, you know, I see a lot of people get cocky. You have to understand that we really just standing on the shoulders of giants. We're not that tall. So, you know, let's let's understand that. I like how you said that, too. That's good wording for it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you're definitely on your way. When you said carrying the torch, too, when I listen to your beats, too, I'm like, damn, like this I, this guy definitely understands the game. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of hip-hop. <laughs> what can I say, man? I listen to a lot of music in general. So it's like if something inspires me and, and I get an idea, I definitely want to take it in that direction. I really appreciate that, though. Oh, no worries. Anytime, like I said, I keep it a buck on the show, and I'm early on a lot of the greats, too, so like I said, I called Slaughterhouse before they signed the Shady, too, so yeah, I'm definitely nice, early nice. on Bozak Morris. Nice, nice, man. I appreciate that, man. That's a good look right there. Um, I'm curious, too, um, because you're a producer, too, do you have a wide variety of sounds? Like, do you go to, like, um, I shouldn't say go, do you listen to, like, other country songs and, like, listen to, like, the different sounds or anything like that, or... Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely, man. So, I really like, uh, like, you know, I, I, I do a lot of, you know, a lot of, I, I sample a lot of shit from the Europe, from, from European countries. Um, I sample a lot of shit from, world, so, like, pretty much worldwide, to be honest, actually, man. So, um, I, like, I, I do my research, man. Like, you know, I'm out there looking at, you know, records from Thailand. I'm, look, I'm out there looking for records from India. I'm looking for records from, from, from Germany. And 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 obviously, I'm looking for records from everywhere, Canada and, and, and you, you, the U.S. But, you know, there's a lot of things that, like the way UK songs were mixed in the 70s and that you wouldn't be able to get from other, other places, you know? So... Um, obviously a lot, like you say, like you go to like, you know, you grab a Turkish record, they're, they're, they have, they're using instruments that you don't hear very often outside of Turkey uh, or like, you know, um, Indian restaurants, Indian restaurants, Indian instrumentals, Indian records, you know, like they, they do the same thing. So, you know, shouts out to, it's, it's about just expanding your boundaries. So. I like how you keep a wide variety of sound too. So that's, that's good to hear too. Um, so, Bozak Morris, uh, this is a question I ask um, at the end of each interview, too. And I believe that, since you're Canadian, um, you also give a very good answer for this, too. Because, like I said, I only had two Canadian guests on this show, so it would be an honor for you to answer this question. All right. Do you have any words for somebody in a dark place trying to see the light? Oh, man, we all do, man. Um we we all go through these dark periods. I know some people are, it's more intense than others, man. Um, it's really important to, to protect your energy. So, um, sometimes, sometimes we can be really like down on ourselves and sometimes it's just the environment that we in that keeps us down. And it's important that like really the only currency that we really have in this world I mean, fuck all the money and shit. It's our energy, man. It's like who we are and who our spirit is. And don't, it's really important just to protect that. So, I mean, like if you, you're in a situation and you see someone that's actually, you know, not adding to the energy that you have and the spirit that you have, then, you, you know, it's definitely something that, you know, you should consider just cutting that, cutting that off just to protect your energy because, you know, when, when that spirit goes bad, like it's really hard to get it back. So it's, you know, if you're in a dark place, man, like, you know, like, 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 it's, it's important just to, 
just to like you know rearrange that so that you know you can find the light again man so you know whether whether it's internally or, or externally man like yo just understand that like your your energy is important and you know hopefully you know you can make it through that that's a very amazing answer, too. The reason why I asked that question is because every person I asked that question to has their own unique way of answering that question, too, what makes me want to keep mm-hmm. asking that question for somebody in a dark place that I might hear, like, might be a fan of Bozak Morris, and just like, damn, Bozak said that. It's important, man, because it's like, yo, we all go through our rough periods, man. Like, yo, I'm not going to front. Like, you know, I'll get depressed sometimes, too, and I'll, I'll get anxiety a lot of times, too, and, I mean, you know, it's it's... It sucks, you know, and it's sometimes it's self-inflicted. Sometimes it's just like, you know, just negative thoughts. And especially with social media now where there's so much outrage, it's easier to get, you know, to, to get in those dark places um, and to, 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 to really just have a pessimistic view on the world. And if that's the case, it's like, you know, if it's social media, that's, that's really just like affecting it. Or if it's your diet or if it's just hanging around certain kinds of personalities, you really just, you know, the best thing to do is to understand that, recognize it, and to, like, you know, kind of distance yourself away from it, you know? Um, sometimes, some, some, you know, certain things and certain personalities and certain certain energies will affect your energy. And, and you know, if you can do whatever it takes to, to kind of prevent that, I think that's a, that's a really important thing to do So for everybody. So. Yeah, because energy, is, it's all about the energy you put into this universe that will come back to you. Absolutely. So that's why I say, you know, and the energy that you put in is the only real currency that that we really have. You know, that's the true currency that we really have. That's that's what's really going to change the planet and to change the attitudes of this earth is this positive energy. So let's you know, let's make sure that our energy is always positive, man, and do whatever it takes to keep it that way. So. Uh, well, by this interview, too, I got to remember it's an interview, too, besides a conversation, too, but you have amazing energy, too. So I just want to say thank you once again, Bozak Morris, for taking the time out your day for doing this interview. Oh, no problem, man. man. I like what you do, man. I like the people that you've been talking to, and I like the fact that, like, you know, it's not the same generic questions, too. So I was really excited about this one, man. I appreciate that, my guy, too. And I don't want to ask the most, like, obvious questions, either. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, like, I don't mind that either, but I'm just saying, like, you know, the fact that I know that I can count on you not to ask those <laughs> obvious questions, which is fucking dope. Dope as fuck, dude. Yeah, I'm not gonna ask you. He's like, yo, what you think about the Jordan Woods and Kylie? Nah, we ain't about that on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we on another shit. Yeah, we, we on to the next shit, man, so that's what it is. Um, would you like to plug anything before I let you go, Bozak? Yeah, man, ggbrrecords.com. If you're interested in copying any of the music, man, and you're hearing any of the music, go to ggbrrecords.com or bozakmorris.com. Um, the new the new uh, Jay Cyanide and Bozak Morris project is coming soon. And follow me on Twitter um, at Bozak Morris. Follow me on Instagram at Bozakula. Uh, follow me on SoundCloud, Bozak Morris. Um, yeah, and that's that's pretty much that, man. So, uh, yo, holler at me, man. Yo, thank you again, man. Oh, you're most welcome, my guy. And with that being said, that's another classic Canadian interview. I know I say classic a lot, but I really do be dropping classics. Uh, another classic interview from the desk. Yeah, let them know, man. Talk, talk your shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another classic interview from the desk low featuring my guy, Bozak Morris. Uh, Bozak?